When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So I, I know a lot of people probably make the assumption that um, we're a day behind recording because we were, you know, romantic on Valentine, taking care of uh, our significant others, whatnot. I was taking care of my significant other. I don't know how romantic it was because her car broke down. I had to to drive an hour plus each way to go pick her up. So it, it was more necessity than romance. Real love, though. Real yeah. love to go. You know what I'm saying? So, hey, uh, love, sure. it, it, love is in different forms. That's all. That's all I got. But it did happen to just work out. Then it was all right. Cool. We're going out to dinner. We're going. Everybody was like, <laughs> "Yes, plans. I'm out." So. Yeah, so it did work out. Um, I hope everybody had a good Valentine's. Uh, just uh, did you go someplace nice for dinner? You know, we actually did. We Skyline? absolutely did. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a great Valentine's Day. But, you know, actually, we uh, here's the thing that a lot of people like to do in the inner city here is that White Castles are very notoriously known. And it, White Castle is a fast food restaurant for all those listeners that don't know who I'm talking about. But they love hosting Valentine's Day dinners for people. Really? We didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 it's really a thing. Like, there are wow. plenty of people that will go, no matter what what restaurant location you go to when it comes to White Castles, they're they're dressing it up. They're telling you have to actually call in and book it ahead of time, book a reservation just to get a table. Wow. And then... And they, they treat it like it's Jeff Ruby's, but it's White Castles. It's mini burgers and fries and <laughs> chicken rings. So they actually do it pretty well. Now, I didn't do that. You know, I actually really went to a, a nice little place, and, you know, got me a nice little sandwich and burger and salad and whatnot. You know, but at the end of the day, like, you can't go wrong with uh, you definitely can't go wrong with the uh, with the with the with the with the, with the White Castles Valentine's Day approach for them. So happy Valentine's Day to our listeners out there. <laughs> yeah, get the little, you know, get your little, um, your little pack of uh, sliders there with the little onions sweated on them, and so I, I did one of the worst things and best things of my life one time involved White Castles. I was, um, I was a little uh, under the weather. I had the uh, what, how you want to say it? the brown bag flu. Um, <laughs> may have enjoyed the night Sounds too disgusting. much. <laughs> It went into the it went into the day, right? So the following day, I'm a little hangover, and I I'm going up, and I can't decide what sounds better. I got Skyline Chili on one side of the road, White Castle on the other. So I got a bowl of Skyline Chili and dipped White Castles into it. Mm. 
it that ruined, actually is a good combo. It, it tasted great. It ruined my life at the same time. <laughs> Sometimes it's like that. Sometimes yeah, it's no. like that. Yeah, that, yeah, that's not the Valentine's Day for me. We, <laughs> we're just going to lay low on that one. Get that right. All right, but we're back. And we're getting ready to start this show. So here we go. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Once again, we are running through the jungle. Uh, we have a, a, a mixed bag. Mr. Tim Lyons is out. Uh, he is out today with an illness. But we do have Chase from Cut to the Chase. Chase Youts uh, helping us out. And myself, Brandon Harry, and as always, Mr. Justin Lacey. Um, we are going to start... With uh, Justin starting us off here with uh, a little Super Bowl recap. Take it away, my guy. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, You know, look, man, it was a phenomenal game this past Sunday for the Super Bowl. It was a much better game than what I had anticipated. As we already know, the Chiefs were, you know, they weren't really the favorites necessarily going into the game. I think they were slightly uh, like a one and a half point underdog. So there was a lot of value bet proposition to bet no money on the Chiefs to pull out the win, especially if you didn't like if you were leery about the game and you decided to bet the Chiefs at Chiefs at halftime, you probably would have came out winning more money enough as it is. But Patrick Mahomes and company, man, they did it again, man. They got ring number three for them. So I got to tip my cap to the uh, Kansas City Chiefs there. And for the San Francisco 49ers, man, one hell of a season. I had picked them to win the game as during our preview show and. I was sort of riding the coattails of the 49ers run since the midseason. And then they played really damn good football. And unfortunately, you know, it just they just got beat. But the question that I want to ask you guys, you know, obviously you give your general thoughts, but what do you guys think? Because there's a lot of there's a lot of controversy going on here in the media, but more specifically, the thoughts of the game. Did you feel like that Kansas City won the game or that San Francisco lost the game? Chase, I'm going to start with you because I feel like that you have some thoughts that you want that's lingering and that's, that's festering. So I'm going to start with you on this one. Well, um, that's a great question. I think, I mean, Kansas City won the Super Bowl, so obviously they won the game. But, like, in the general scheme of things, asking this question, I, I think it was more of the Niners, um, you know, them them losing it because, you know, Every every time you could see this trend of Kyle Shanahan teams. I know he didn't wasn't the head coach of the Falcons in 2016, but every time he's gotten into this game in the Super Bowl, you know, lead ends up being blown. And again, normally Super Bowls are close games, so no lead is safe. You normally expect it to come down to the wire. 
But even when it comes down to the wire, Kyle Shanahan, just if it's play calling, if it's guys executing plays, it's, it's just not enough. And you saw it in the media. Um, some of the members of Brandon Ayuk's family were talking about how does your 1,300-yard all-pro receiver get six targets in a game? You would think they would try to scheme him. George Kittle had two catches for four yards in this one. Debo Samuel had an okay game. The star of the game, other than you know, in the receiving game, was was Christian McCaffrey, eight catches for eighty three yards, and you know had a touchdown. But it was Jawan Jennings. Like you're telling me, everybody else on that Niners offense that we boast and flex about was shut down. The Chiefs have a great secondary. Don't get me wrong. Trent McDuffie, Lajarius Sneed. Uh, you know, so many other guys on the back end, but those two guys, you know, come to mind when we're talking about Kansas City Chiefs defense and their secondary. But those guys played fantastic football. Trent McDuffie, I thought he was a defensive MVP. He was fantastic on Sunday night. And Chris Jones obviously blowing up plays. But I, I, I just think Kyle Shanahan's been here so many times. You would think you would learn from your mistake at this point of trying to put, put guys in positions to make plays. I didn't think Brock Purdy played a bad game overall, but it, it, it really, you know, I'm not going to put it all on the offense, but there is going to be a good blame when it comes to the offensive side of the ball, you know, being Kyle Shanahan's forte. Defensively, there's not much that you can do when you're getting held every single play or every other play. I know people talk about the nine, you know, the Niners fans, oh, they're just complaining, blah, blah, blah. Stuff like that. I, yeah, I mean, sometimes, yeah, complaining, but there are some rightful plays that you could literally go back and watch on film and you could say, oh, Jawan Taylor and Donovan Smith were, were prom dancing with these guys. It's, it's incredible that a lot, that some of these calls weren't even called, talking about the Chiefs being the you know most penalized team when it comes to holding in the National Football League. And, you know, they didn't get called for a single hold this postseason, which there were a lot of them that they missed. But then again, the, you know, you get Patrick Mahomes in a two-minute situation. It only took him 13 seconds to go down and tie the game against the Buffalo Bills a few years back, and that still goes into play. He's a tough guy to stop, but that you're looking at, you know, letting guys like Marquez Valdez-Scantling and, and, and McCole Hardman and those guys start going off. The Niners secondary had been not, I'm going to say fraudulent, but without Talona Hafunga, it's obviously been exploited. I mean, Deshaun Gibson looked like he drank a 40 when he was trying to look for that ball in the second quarter and didn't know where it was at. He ran under it and then he's just like, Oh, where'd it go? Dropped in. But I, I think, I think most of the blame should go on the offense of the Niners. And I think the Niners did lose this game more than the chiefs uh, won this game. The question I know I've been going on for, for quite a long time. And one last thing, Steve Wilkes getting let go. I thought that was, I thought that was a little was much. Unfair. I really did. Yeah, he was unfairly, he was unfairly scapegoated. I, I thought, that's, so. I think that's obvious. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's all I got there. But I, I think Steve Wilkes deserves a job somewhere else. Yeah, I do too. Brandon, then what are your sentiments on this? Because I, I um, Steve Wilkes, I, that's, that's a great way to end your, your note on that. Cause I think Steve Wilkes was just unfair. least like just blamed regarding the efforts of the 49ers defense. But, but Peter, what's your thoughts on it? So, before I, I, I'm going to work backwards a little bit based upon um, uh, what Chase's comments were here. But um, when you're looking at um, the, 
the Chiefs, I saw this and I haven't double checked and done my homework, but I saw that in the three Super Bowl wins, the Chiefs have, have been called for zero holding penalties. That's crazy. Um, so I do want I do want to say that there's some definite holds there, some other things going on. Listen, Kyle Shanahan had a lot of pressure going into this game to get over this hump. Um and, and was unable to do it. And there's a bunch of things. We're going to talk about a couple of things here coming up. There was a bunch of things in the game that, you know, yeah, you hold him responsible for the offense. Chiefs defense plays lights out during the, the playoffs, the entire playoff run. And, you know, you see Brock Purdy had a pretty good game. He had the best game of any quarterback that played against that Chiefs defense. And that includes Josh Allen. That includes the MVP of the league. So he played pretty good, correct. To me, what really happened, though, because you can't let a, a great quarterback like Patrick Mahomes hang around. And your main guys, that first scripted drive, and CMC fumbles the ball. Ugh, a killer. Then you have Trent Williams get called for two holding penalties on one on one, um drive killed that drive then you have the muff punt that hits the guy and gives the ball back to the chiefs and the what 13 yard line whatever it was you can't do those things and let patrick mahomes hang around and then give him a shot to win at the end of the game because he's gonna pull it off somehow so i do feel like yes patrick mahomes took advantage of the opportunity and won the game but he won it because some of the best players on that 49ers team let them down yeah you know i i kind of have to agree with both of you there um it's a little bit neck and neck for me and and, and to your point because that that's exactly where i was about to go with this you just can't let patrick mahomes hang around you can't let that chief's offense hang around the 49ers I don't know who, what national media analyst said this, but I absolutely agreed with this before he even said it. The 49ers are going to be kicking themselves all offseason. They're probably never going to get past this one because they should have won this game. They should have won this game. They controlled this game from start to finish. But the problem is, is that when you go install out your drives for four, five, six, seven consecutive you know, series in a row and you can get nothing out of it, and then all of a sudden a muff punt happens and Kansas City scores off of that. You have a missed chip shot extra point and then Kansas City benefits off of that. That's the, These things are just going to come back and bite you in the ass no, no matter how you spin it. And quite frankly, I don't want to point out that those things lost in the game because the Chiefs had turnovers too. Patrick Mahomes threw an ill-advised interception in the second half, beginning of the second half. And I thought to myself right there, like, boy, the 49ers, are they serious. They about to run away with this. I think they actually got about to, you know, extend the lead. The Chiefs offense really hadn't done nothing much up until that point. But credit the Kansas City Chiefs defense. This was more of a master performance for the Chiefs defense, more so than a 49ers letting down the team. You know, I think Brock Purdy, like you said, Chase, I don't think that Brock Purdy played bad per se. Did he make every single throw that counted? No, but he made some damn important ones that you needed him to throw. He converted on third and longs. He can he he threw in the tight windows. He made plays with his legs. He did what you had to do. He to try to manage the game. But I also think that 
Patrick Mahomes just did what he could to put the team on his back in critical elements where he just flat out won the game. So it can be a little bit of both back and forth, though. But ultimately, I do agree with the two of you. I think that San Fran just squandered a perfect opportunity to just to bury him. And they let the Chiefs hang around too much. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense, while they wasn't performing as up to their standards all season long, they're still that old dog in the backyard that's going to bite you if you get close. So, mm. but that's actually a good segue because what I've been hearing so much after the game is the famous coin toss in overtime. San Francisco called it, got it correct, and took the ball. And they wanted to receive the ball first in overtime. Now, with the new playoff rules overtime, each each team get a chance to possess the ball, regardless if the first team goes down to score a touchdown. The other team has a chance to go down and score and score it and match that touchdown. And essentially the strategy, I guess, what people are saying is that if you're accepting the ball in overtime, if you're the 49ers, why are you taking the ball? Because Patrick Mahomes is right there. Okay, I'm just going to just kind of start this one off here. I think this was just getting kind of annoying to me. This this is this is really pissing me off. If you're the 49ers, you can't guarantee that you're going to get the ball back regardless. So with that being said, you take the ball. I agreed with that initially, even though I understand the logic and thinking that Patrick Mahomes is on the other side of the ball. You can't operate in fear because of who you're going against all the time. If that was the Bengals and Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow would have took that ball and went right down the field. The 49ers got to go with the same understanding. It's like, look, I know who you got at quarterback. I'm going to take the ball anyways, and I'm going to see, I'm going to try to score a touchdown and force you to keep up. Because then Kyle Shanahan's response afterwards was that if they would have matched touchdown for touchdown, they get the ball third and has a chance to end the game. Both defenses were exhausted at that point. So it's like, why not? And let's say that you do get the ball to the Chiefs first, and they go down the field and score a touchdown. There's no guarantee that the 49ers, how they were playing on offense, was going to go down the field and score a touchdown on the Chiefs defense. So with that being said, you put the pressure on them to be perfect when they get the ball either way. So I never had a problem with it. I think that people are thinking way too much on it. They have all their takes now, knowing that this is the first time that we ran into an offensive, I'm sorry, ran into an overtime situation with the new rules in the playoffs. But I need to hear you guys' takes on it because I don't know if I'm crazy or if you guys think the same way that everybody else is saying, but be there. I'll start with you. What do you think about the coin toss? Yeah, I think you're crazy. Um, <laughs> so so here's it. the reason why. Here's the reason why. Yeah. Two things. One, if you have the ball second, you get an extra down to try and score that touchdown if, if the Chiefs score a touchdown. Excellent. If you have the ball first – on third down, you don't get it. You don't get fourth down. You have your choice to either kick at that point or go for it. If the Chiefs would have scored first the way the ball was playing out and you've got fourth and four or five or whatever it was when they kicked that field goal, the 49ers kicked the field goal, that is, they go for it right there because they know they need a touchdown to score. So they're given an extra down to try and score that touchdown. So I think that's part of the reason why you – that's the biggest reason why. But I, I, look, I also look at it this way, and I get the, the idea, and I get the whole thing, okay, if the third possession, first score wins. Each team gets one full possession, and then if they're tied after that, the next possession, next score wins. So 
I got the idea of going for third, but here's the reason why I don't say you do. If you, I'm going to use a baseball analogy. If you're in a World Series and you're in an elimination game, that's the situation where you may not, uh, you know, if you're tied in the eighth, you may bring your closer in the eighth because it's do or die. That You have to get the next out or else you don't get to continue on. And I feel like that's the same theory with this. You have to get, don't worry about the third possession. You got to execute the first one and the second one before any of the third matters. So that's my, my take on it. I think he did the, I I think he did an extremely bad move there uh, in overtime with taking the ball first. Okay. on you, you know, I've sat, around thinking about this um i think the the closer the niners got down to when they were in scoring range i would have tried to be more aggressive i don't it sounds dumb but i would have tried to be more aggressive because guess what there ain't no more tomorrow you know what i'm saying if you go for the field goal it's like all right you know we can get a stop on my home and stuff but you know Mahomes went down you know scored a touchdown it's you know science says 2020 but you know, I, I just think when it comes to overtime, I think that you just got to be aggressive. Chase, like, as soon as they kicked that field goal, every single person watching that football game had the yeah. same thought. Yeah, we all had the same thought with that. Oh, there, yeah. yeah, when they when they ended up having to kick the field goal. Yeah, I but I and I truly, I truly think I, like on third down, they should have they should have just tried to go for the end zone. Like in my opinion, I think. Well, the more you go, the more like the closer you get down there, you I think you got to be more aggressive. You got to try to be more aggressive to get to the end zone. And I know they tried some little gadget play, like you know, sending the motion. It was a weird blocking scheme, and Chris Jones was unblocked and everything. But I thought they should have just stood in there in the pocket and just tried to just fire one into the end zone. In my opinion, yeah. you know, and, and, and we should give more voice to that. What you just said there too. Chris Jones was unblocked, huh? I don't know what the I don't know what the the scheme was on that. I'm not off, you know, an NFL coach or anything like that. But just like I thought, I really thought that them taking the ball first wasn't a bad idea. But you, that's why I go back to Kyle Shanahan. The play calling, that's where the issue is. Because if you have the ball first and you want to be aggressive. Go be aggressive and go try to score a touchdown instead of and put the yeah. put the pressure on them. Exactly, I know it's three points easier. doesn't put any pressure. It's on them. easier said than done, but it's like you know what I am. And on in all honesty, I would uh, tr- call me crazy. I would try to go for it. I would have went for it. Be like you know what, screw it. Let's get the first down. If we don't get the first down, they got to go down the field and they got to score a field goal. But yeah, they had to go ninety yards almost. Yeah. Yeah, and like, think about it. The Chiefs wouldn't have. They, if the Chiefs would have, you know, that fourth and two, that fourth and you know, fourth and one or whatever it was, maybe they'd do it a little differently. I don't know. You know what? But you know what? Here's the thing. I got to go back to first and foremost. Even when the game went into overtime before the coin toss happened, I still. Just felt like that it was the te- the scale was going to tip in Kansas City's favor because yeah I mean, when Kansas City had the ball last they should have scored the touchdown they had six seconds left with one timeout and they had Rasheed Rice open he had the game winning score right there if they would have yeah. took another shot in my opinion because they and I think that was the thinking of it Kyle Sanahan is looking at his defense it's like dude they're getting they're getting 
they're, they're it's like that Patrick Mahomes is now all of a sudden carving through them like hot butter, like with on a hot knife on butter, man. It's like, dude, why can't we stop these guys right now? Yeah. So in overtime, if you win the coin toss, don't put that same defense out on the field. You know what I mean? You possess the ball. You set the tone. And to be perfectly honest, they were doing that up until they got to that goal line part. And then, unfortunately, Chris Jones, he broke through like you knew he eventually would and forced the incompletion. And, again, I'm not mad that they went for the field goal, honestly. I just felt like that you were going to lose either way because if the Chiefs got the ball first, I felt like that they would have raced down the field right on that same tired defense that they ended regulation with. Then you get in the 49ers the ball with the Chiefs defense that was stopping Brock Purdy and company a little bit better than the Niners defense was stopping them. And you putting pressure on them to go for it every down. And you already saw what Spagnuolo was cooking on third and four and stuff. So felt like either way it goes, it's like while well, everybody's putting all this impetus on them. And I and I understand why the takes are where they are. But in hindsight, I mean, it, I don't think it really mattered because the Kansas City Chiefs really had it in their hands, for real. The bottom line is I think the 49ers uh, landed more punches but never hit that knockout punch. Yes. I, I that's like what you that. got to do. Like that that's what you got to do to the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. You got to hit them with that knockout punch. Mm-hmm. So, do you guys want to take a break or we'll go to our next segment? I'm going to leave that to you guys. Yeah, let's take uh let's take a quick break here here from our uh our sponsors and we'll be right back after this quick momento. All right, welcome back to Run It Through the Jungle. If you're still with us, go ahead, hit that thumbs up, uh, hit that like button, subscribe, notifications. Uh, if you got time, get us with a five star review. Enjoy us wherever you get your podcast or on uh, your YouTube channel. If you have a, a like a big screen, 75, 80 inch TV. Be very cautious uh, putting my ugly mug up there. You'll notice I never go full screen with my face. That's for you people that watch this on big screen TVs. Nobody needs that in their life. Yeah, I can honestly say the same about me, even with my little bandana over top of my head. So, you know, it's just my I don't want my face to get too close to the camera. Yeah. But no, we we left off on one. I'm just one final nugget that I needed to bring up because again, we gotta acknowledge it out of respect for our, you know, our most big time rival right now, which is obviously the Kansas City Chiefs. They won the third Super Bowl back to back, first time since the 0304 New England Patriots. So much respect to them. Tip the cap to you. They really got it out of the mud this year. You talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, having to go on the road twice at Buffalo, at Baltimore. You know, those games that they easily could have lost if the two teams that they went against those those prospective weekends didn't fold like they did. But you still got to you still got to tip your cap for what they were able to pull off there. And on top of that, winning the Super Bowl, you know, so respectfully, now they're in the hunt for a three P. Do you guys think they're going to three P next year? Should they be the favorites to three P? I should say I think that's um, the right question. Uh, yeah, they're the favorites. They should be. I don't see any reason why they shouldn't be the favorite do i think they're gonna win it <laughs> be one of those way 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 too early predictions and stuff no i mean i'll say no but like again they should be the favorite to to three peat i mean they've done it back to back 
you know, why not do it again? You do it. I think they'll be favored out the gate. Chris Jones is a free agent. You yeah. don't sign him. That 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 changes a lot. Um, but yeah, I think they'll start off as a favorite. I agree. They they have the they have earned the right to be the favorite to three Pete. And I'm obviously as a Bengal fan, we're obviously not rooting for that to happen. But we do acknowledge that they have a chance to attack greatness at a level that we have never seen before in all platforms of sports since the old one old three Lakers when they three peated in, in, in the NBA. And mm-hmm. before that, the 90s Bulls, they have a chance to do that um, again. As a Bengals fan, do you want to see that happen? No, not really, because we want Burrow to get his ring eventually. But they've earned that right to be respected as a team that should be the favorites to win the Super Bowl next year. Yep. But I will. I do need to say this though before we before I turn the uh, tables over back over to you, Brandon. Patrick Mahomes gave his little speech at their at their celebration, uh, their parade. Which, by the way, um, my heart goes out to the victims in the Kansas Oof. City shooting out there. That was that was terrible. brutal and that, that was painful to listen to. So my heart goes out to the city of Kansas City, man. That we don't wish for anything like that to happen, and it's and it's tough on that to see that happening. You know, hope that everybody makes it out okay, and that one us that were safe, that was a part of that. Just that, that's just a that's just a one brutal event to to experience, especially if you were there in person. So, my heart goes out to you guys with that. But Mahomes actually gave a speech, was talking about the they all doubted us speech, and you know, I think a lot of people just kind of took took that with and ran with like, who doubted the Chiefs? Who doubted Chiefs? Nobody doubted the Chiefs. Well. I'm not going to lie. Nobody necessarily doubted Kansas City, but I think that as the season progressed, they've earned that doubt that nobody was picking them to repeat as Super Bowl champions just by the virtue of the way they was playing all season long. They they took advantage of a down season in the NFL like other teams did too in the AFCs more specifically. They didn't play great on offense. Their defense carried them through majority of the season, including the playoff run. It wasn't like that Mahomes was having an MVP caliber season like he did last year, putting the team on his back and everything like that. Teams sort of choked away wins more so than the Chiefs beat them. And they still lost games against Buffalo, Philadelphia, the Denver Broncos, the Vegas Raiders starting Aiden O'Connell. They also could have lost to our very young Bengals with Jake Brown and not even Joe Burrow. So with that being said, they did not earn the rights to be picked to go to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, you did get some doubt. However, we still respected you. And again, most of the NFL I can speak for, the NFL still respected you because of who you still got at quarterback. And then he went on to say, like, I hope it doesn't change next year. You know, keep doubting us, keep doubting us. You know, say whatever you got to do to self-motivate you. But at the end of the day, no one's you know what I mean. You. No one's nobody's gonna, doubting. No one's doubting. Nobody's you, doubting the. You know? like, nobody's doubting the brand of the key Chiefs. Sorry, go ahead, Chase. Nah, my fault. But it's it's like you know when you know what what were you expecting though when you played that bad? Yeah, when well, you get beat the, by Aiden O'Connell, you're allowed to get questions. The, the man had right. zero passing yards from the second quarter on, and he beat you like the Raiders won. Like that's what like. You didn't expect any doubt to come with that. I, that I mean, obviously, the great ones find you know ways to motivate themselves, and Patrick Mahomes and Chiefs found ways to motivate themselves, of course. But come on, the whole they, we did doubt you. 
because you guys look terrible this whole season. Exactly. You guys didn't look like the normal Chiefs of of sorts, where it was, you know, glitz and glamour on offense, and the defense came up when they needed to and stuff. I mean, let's just be, you know, real. I mean, obviously, the Chiefs won Super Bowl and stuff. The Chiefs' offense looked—they were absolutely trash this year. They were trash. Like I don't yeah. want to, tra- you know, trash about it, but I'm like they—they they were not up to any standard possible what the Chiefs normally would be at. Mm-hmm. But then you got to the postseason, and you got to the time when it was time to flip the switch, and it was big boy football, and you got to give credit where credit's due because they stepped up and they answered the bell. And they look like a completely different team because guys are actually catching the football. And Patrick Mahomes turned it up a level. Travis Kelsey did. Andy Reid, the defense, was playing really well the most of the season. And they turned up another level possible, which was crazy enough. And and Steve Spagnuolo, I mean, fantastic job by him this entire season and the Super Bowl. Great, just fantastic job. But he, he should have won assistant coach of the year, by the way, Steve. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. But it's in, in this, a brand new fat contract. He did get. Yeah, yeah he definitely did. He, he is. He is. He chilling said, I'll take that nerd. contract. Jim Schwartz can have the award. You know, 100%. he did turn around the ground. Defense. I'll give him that. Yeah. But, you know, but it's just like, you know, I, the, the Chiefs deserve the doubt that they had this season uh, because they were not they were not that good. They were not that good. And then All right. read, read good. the banner. This is, says a Cincinnati Bengals podcast. I'm done. We're done with the Chiefs. Hey, I'm completely cool. Right. Let's let's flip it. Let's flip it. Let me let me let me delete the banner. Let me delete the banner because it's time for some real Bengals talk. I know I, we talked I, a lot at about Super Bowl, but it's time for some real Bengals I talk. Thought, Beater, I thought Beater had you, bro. I thought Beater had a had an episode right there, man. I was man. a little nervous. Yeah. I can't I do this it. anymore. I can't do I the Chiefs it. anymore. I'm done. I'm done with them. <laughs> I'm gonna start off with some ridiculousness. Um, if you guys want the athletic dropping some big news, I saw some some of our other brethren in the uh, Cincinnati uh, media network and social media. It's oh, big news comes from the athletic reporting that the Bengals plan. To tag T. Higgins. Oh, oh my God. Who would have thunk it? I, it's almost like maybe we had been talking about this since, like, I don't know, week 14 of the regular season we started talking about this. Come on. This is not breaking news. We were not going to let T. Higgins just walk away for nothing. Um. So yeah, of course we're we're going to tag T Higgins if we don't get a deal done. Period. That's it. End of story. Now, will there be a tag and trade, or will we just tag him and play it out? I think they're going to play it out. I wouldn't be mad if they they got a good trade value for him and send him to the NFC. Yes. Now don't send him to the Chiefs. So. That's my thoughts on it. You guys got any thoughts on that? Chase? Shit, we knew this. We knew this. Yeah, like, I mean, I, yeah, there's nothing I, new. I talked to I talked to my parents about this at IKEA in August. Like, there you go. We knew this. All right. Like, that, that, that's that's about it. 
Look, Justin, our ops our ops so badly want us to get rid of T Higgins because they're tired of seeing the Bengals perform at a high level, and they just want to see all of our great players go to their favorite organizations. I don't know what it is, but I still buy in this logic and this theory that they just want Joe Burrow to not play in Cincinnati. That that's still a long term bet that they're making. We're, and part of that is hoping that his best players around him go to other teams and not sign long-term extension contracts so the Bengals are not in constant Super Bowl contention for them to have to always talk about us. I still believe in that 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 little theory, that little big Bengal theory of mine, name drop. There we go. <laughs> but yeah. Nonetheless, though, this was an obvious move that the Bengals were going to make. And what remains to be seen is the long-term contract or if, it, like you guys said, the tag and trade happens. If the Bengals do end up trading T. Higgins, which I hope that doesn't happen, I hope that he does stay around for this next year or even longer. Don't don't shy away from trading within the AFC, especially if it's AFC contenders that you know that can't still beat us. Like, for example, if you were to trade T. Higgins to the Jacksonville Jaguars to pair him back up with Trevor Lawrence, personally, I would not be mad at that because looking in that division, Trevor Lawrence got a hot he's got hot competition now but uh, brewing up to the surface in the AFC South with CJ Stroud with uh you never know the Titans are probably going to turn around things with Will Levis and now Brian Callahan being their head coach I mean I, I still like don't believe it. in that division but <laughs> you know I, don't like with that being, I wouldn't trade him to the Chargers I wouldn't trade him to uh anybody in the AFC North I sure as hell wouldn't no, send him to no. the Texans no, I'm not. Ooh. No, but I'm saying like de depending on the AFC team, like if he wanted, like if they we were to trade him to the Denver Broncos with their questions at quarterback this offseason. OK, it's just like the Chiefs when they traded Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins. It's in the conference. But, you know, that Tyreek Hill, even though they paired him up with Tua and he ended up having great seasons after he left, when you when you going against them eventually. Bro, they got Pat Mahomes again. I know we're not trying to talk about the Chiefs no more. We moved yeah, on. Yeah, send him to New England. I'll be okay with it. <laughs> you go go to New England. Yeah, the Jets. Okay. You know, but at the end of the day, T, I still want you here. But if we are going to look to tag and trade, you better get a lot of good value from him, bro. I swear to God. But other than that, yeah, he's yeah. still ours. He's a bangle and he's staying a bangle. Uh, just like Duke said, get your own. Yeah, yep. that's how I feel. <laughs> go get your own. <laughs> All right, so we have had some coaching moves that we've talked about with uh, Callahan um, leaving, uh, Dan Pritchard getting um, promoted to offensive coordinator, uh, and then we've had a couple more that we haven't touched on yet. Um, Brad uh, Craig Thorpe was uh, promoted to quarterbacks coach, uh, to no one's real surprise from what it sounds like. But there was a surprise move uh, brought in from the Vikings, Justin Riscotti, as a pass game coordinator, which is a new, uh, a whole new position for mm -hmm. uh, the Bengals. And, you know, I think there was some clamoring about getting somebody from the outside. There's been, you know, I think there was some hope with uh, uh, that Brian Callahan staying that he would take over play calling. Um, but with that not happening, does this kind of give you some hope for some new blood, some new uh, life into the offense? Or do you think it's, you know, just kind of a, a, a fill like of a position, a fill of yeah. void higher? What do you think, Justin? 
Yeah, well, he's an addition to the coaching staff, so it's not like a yep. field of void after somebody's departed. And I like this. This is what I've, I've never even seen the Bengals since in the Joe Burrow era, for that matter, have a passing game coordinator. You see it happen all the time, all across the league, especially in college football. When you think about Joe Brady, Joe Brady was a guy that was the passing game coordinator at LSU when they had that historic run in 2019. He then gets an offensive coordinator position, obviously, with the Panthers. And now he's at OC with Buffalo full time. But a passing game coordinator is exactly something that you probably would like to have on this roster so that way all the work and you need it brian callahan was doing basically the heavy lifting on the offensive side of the ball as a coordinator even though zach taylor's an offensive head coach but all the work shouldn't go to the oc with dan pitcher taking this position new you're going to need to divvy out some responsibility in some sort of ways and i'm really excited to see where this potential of this passing attack can go because i think that the Bengals need some evolution here and part of that is their coaching staff and adding a piece like the uh, passing game coordinator can help them, you know, draw up some passing schemes instead of just a traditional five wide empty backfield set. And Joe Burrow just pick and chooses where to throw the ball. Teams are starting to understand that when, he, when you're in 11 personnel, that they're that's starting to become more easy to read because of the plays that they know we're going to run, even though Joe is great. That's you got to evolve a little bit past this now to be better than what you used to be and stop always trying to recreate the will of what he did in college. And I think the first step into doing that is adding a passing game coordinator. And on top of that, it can allow Joe Burrow to be the even more better version of himself. So I'm all for it, man. I'm happy to see it. We'll understand in due time if he's going to do this due diligence or he's going to work out as a as a coaching as a part of the coaching staff or not, if he works out or not. But it's it's a it's surplus value to the offensive coaching staff. All right, what's your thoughts on it, Chase? Um, yeah, I like it. I, I like it. I mean, obviously, the promotion uh for Brad was, you know, like I said, wasn't surprising. So I'm glad he gets a chance to you know, become the quarterback coach. And uh, you know, the interesting story of Justin Riscotti, I mean, he he was a quarterback at James Madison, um, actually. A while ago, um, you know, he, <laughs> I'm looking at some of his stats. I mean, it was, it was pretty cool stuff. Obviously not playing for the Bengals, but, um, but yeah, I mean, we are talking about what he was, you know, he was over in Minnesota, uh, you know, doing a lot of stuff with the offensive line and everything else. Kirk Cousins um, had his best year when he was over there too. Exactly. So that's a big thing. And I think another thing that we look at is, um, you know, there were some numbers that were up about, how Justin Jefferson would still get one-on-one matchups in 2022, even though everyone knows that Justin Jefferson is one of, if not the best receiver in the National Football League, and he was still getting one-on-ones. Um, I think, I, I think a lot of this is going to be interesting to see how, maybe with him being as a passing game coordinator, how they can maybe scheme up Jamar Chase, or if T. Higgins is playing in this 2024 scheme up those guys and try to win before the ball is snapped win pre-snap if you win pre-snap and joe burrow's like oh yeah i got it oh it's over with so it's like a lot of that stuff winning before the snap is huge and then obviously going out and doing the damn thing but that's you know i I think a lot of that stuff's going to be huge maybe they you know if, if they can find ways to move you know receivers around and pre-snap motion and all this other stuff yeah. but yeah like justin said i mean there was there hasn't 
I've never really even remembered or realized like the Bengals having a passing game coordinator or, you know, any of those very specific detail oriented coaches. So I'm excited for it. I, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what, uh, you know, what, what could go on with this. Yeah. And, and a very unpopular opinion that I've had um, is Tyler Boyd assuming his absence I think gives us more flexibility because he plays only out of the slot. Yeah. And now you're talking about scheming open Jamar Chase. Now you can move Jamar Chase to the slot, outside motion, all the all these other play. Uh, you know, the Charlie Jones can go inside or out. You know, what I mean, we can start scheming that around a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you know that <laughs> uh, last year. The only team that threw the ball more than us was the Washington Commanders. So if you're going to throw the ball almost two-thirds of the time, go ahead and invest in a passing game coordinator. Yeah, great investment, um, especially when you get Joe Burrow throwing the ball. I'm, yeah, I'm 100% sure. down with that. Yep. All right, so the last thing I want to cover is, listen, passing game quarterback very glamorous but we both uh all three of us have had the same uh the same issues with last year's team when we graded uh you know what the most important thing for us to fix was and that's the trenches so you know two ways to fix this it's going to take a little bit of both we know that defensive line and offensive line need to get better through free agency leading into the draft. So we're going to talk about where do you guys see is it, are there are there certain players you think fit the Bengals style, fit the Bengals? Are there certain um a philosophy of you know one side of the line more of a draft, one side of the line more of a uh you know a, a free agent? Like how how do you see this playing out? Chase, I'll let you uh Give us your thoughts here first on fixing some trenches. Um, offensively, Jonah Williams walks. Um, yeah, he he, he goes. So then, ooh, I want to go pick up Jermaine Illuminor. I know that there's been a lot of stuff in the media with him talking about how Joe Burrow, you know, put some respect on his name, all that stuff. Well, if you're going to talk like that and defend Joe Burrow, hopefully uh, you defend his back. So you defend his front side, actually, at the right tackle position and uh, help us out that way. And so Willie I, Anderson. Exactly. So I, I that so that's the big thing. I, I, I would like I would like him in free agency. I would I would be a OK with that because he really didn't play that bad this year, though. And no, well, in Vegas. it's funny. Pro football focus has Jonah Williams and, and Jermaine Illuminor basically same player but you get a much friendlier price tag which is important right now with all the people we're trying to resign right yeah and it's also you know it's a new it's a it's a new system it's a you know new opportunity and stuff like that so maybe it'll add some rejuvenation for him you know go little block for a quarterback that he seems to really like in that regard defensively javon kinlaw uh it's the end of his contract with uh, the niners go get him so I'm gonna say, go get him. Go get a young guy. If DJ Reader ends up walking, or if he go, even if Reader's on there for one like a one year deal, like a, at a at a fair price, something like that, I still want Javon Kinlaw. That's all I will say on that. 
And then obviously you can invest in the draft. You know, and if you if you sign both if you sign Jermaine to a one year con, you know contract uh, on the offensive line, then you can still draft a tackle and try to develop him and stuff like that. You can do that if you want. Like it's not a big deal. And then defensively, if you sign Javon Kinlaw, go out and get a guy. Go out and spend a second round pick on another you know on a nose tackle, so you have a rotation at that. So. Um, yeah, I want to beef up these trenches because the trenches this past season were, I mean, they were uh, unbelievably terrible and we are, we are obviously, we obviously all know that. So, uh, yeah, just, just beef up the trenches. All right. What do you got? Justin? So, so first and foremost, man, I'm, I'm happy to see that Duke Tobin acknowledged that beefing up the trenches is exactly why he was present at the senior bowl. <laughs> number one. That it tells me that they're looking at that position heavily when it comes to the draft, and that obviously remains to be seen. But no, for, for free agency talk, yeah, I'm on board with an Illuminor signing because I do not expect Jonah Williams to be back. You know, he's going to he's one of the top ticket targeted right tackles in free agency, and he had a good season. He should be. Let somebody else pay that bag, and we'll get a comp pick for him. And you know, I mean, if we do end up getting a comp pick for him, whatever the case may be, depending on how aggressive we are at signing. Uh, free agencies and stuff so but Jermaine Illuminor is a guy that I would welcome you know I understand that the the constant rotation turnstile investment in the right tackle has not really fully solidified itself but you got to understand man you can't always ask for perfect and we've put so much money into this old line over the past five years more specifically the past three years you know we gave we signed Alex Kappa Ted Karras Orlando Brown Jr you know those the four out of the five spots you drafted Cordell Volson and you still got to give him time to develop even though I understand that a lot of people don't really like him but Jermaine Illuminor is a guy that I would be happy to play right tackle and if not Jermaine Illuminor look into a guy like Trent Brown even though I understand he's got some character concerns but at the end of the day you need some dogs up front somebody that is going to that, that ain't scared to punch somebody in the mouth man if they start they try to get too close to your quarterback you know what I mean so I think that you just you got to have a presence felt on that O-line more than just Orlando Brown Jr. I think that Ted Harris can be that guy. And I think he's kind of is that guy or becoming that guy. He's becoming a, he's he's obviously a fan favorite, but you need that at both tackle spots, not just one. And I think that, you know, you sign a guy like Jermaine, you draft one potentially for value and that there you go. You know, so let's let's keep this thing going. At some point, the Bengals got to get this thing right. Drafting old lineman, man, like you know, spending money year in and year out on this position group is just getting kind of tiring at this point. But then I just wanted to say on the de- defensive line because that was my number one position group that needs the most help. I am obviously on board too with the Javon Kenlaw with the uh, Kenlaw signing if that were to come because you need a blue chip caliber player on the defensive line. Not just re-signing DJ Reader and hoping that he's going to return to form and that's it. And then maybe you draft a couple guys in the third or fourth round. Nah, that ain't cutting it. That's not a Super Bowl champion caliber like move. I'm Tavondre Sweat. Tavondre Sweat second Tavondre round. Sweat. Him and Tavondre Javon Sweat would be nice. I don't care. Like beef it Bro, up, man. That would be awesome. Beef it up. Here's what beef I would up. do. Here's what I would do. Again, like I said, I need a blue chip caliber guy on that D line. If it's Javon Kinlaw, awesome. If it's not. Maybe if you can't afford a guy like a Christian Wilson, Christian Wilkins, because he's going to break the bank a little bit too much, then that's fine. There's other yeah. opportunities out there where you can just invest in other guys. Sheldon Rankins, even Leonard Williams, a nice versatile three tech would be absolutely killer for this D line. 
But yeah, uh, Javon Kinlaw will be absolute like just be amazing. And then you go and draft one. Let's say a Jerzon Newton happened to fall to you at pick 18. That's a perfect person to be on a D-line with that can help potentially make immediate impact with. Or like you said, Devon J. Sweat out of Texas. Is he out of Texas? I don't want to yeah, miss yeah, that Texas. out. Yep. Yep. So you, you make those two moves. And then after the draft, you see how DJ Reader feels and talk to him about assigning him a team-friendly deal to make to be on his run. Dude, all of a sudden, your, your defensive line, the trenches on the D-line part, feels better. And there's obviously other places, too, that I will go with when it comes to the D-line because I'm still not sold on this pass rush outside of Trey Henderson. I'm just not. Personally, I will restructure Sam Hubbard's contract, and I'll probably look to go and get a guy like Chase Young, even though I know he's going to probably ask for a little bit more based off of his draft status and value. I still need more. I still will. I will personally just push back and be like, dude, where's the numbers to prove? I know you got defensive rookie of the year. Because you you can use a guy like him in rotation to be a future replacement because you already got Miles Murphy that can be a future um, Trey Hendrickson replacement. You need somebody on the other side, too, to kind of help rotate in with Sam Hubbard. And you just you just need some new blood in there, man. You know what I mean? So that's where I will start off with the trenches. There's obviously more, but we're talking about fixing the trenches. That is my personal free agency wish list, I should say, yeah. when it comes to free, fixing the uh, O-line and D-line. I, I like it. I think we, we're all on similar similar paths um, here. Like, <clears throat> I don't want to go into the draft with the cupboard empty at, at a at a key position. I think, you know, let's re-sign a Tanner Hudson. Let's re-sign. Let's sign a free agent right tackle. Let's not have it completely bare, right? Um, one of the things I do, obviously, Jermaine Illuminor has been spoken about a lot with his social media comments. One of the things I like about him, I mean, it's been five, six years, but he's he played guard in the league too. So he also gives you some flexibility because when you talk about the senior bowl, I thought the senior bowl really shined a light on the fact that uh, this upcoming draft is really strong on tackle. Um, stronger on right tackle than I would say defensive tackle. Um, I thought the defensive tackles didn't really shine too much at the senior bowl. The offensive linemen shined a little bit more. So I think you can get some, some good bang for your buck there. Um, JC Latham, Amarius Mims, uh, Troy Fawitano, um, Tyler Guyton, Jordan Morgan, one of those guys is going to be there at 18. Afonga as well. Yeah. Well, what's his yeah, last name? Right. Fuago? For, right what, that, yeah. I, I'm getting names mixed up. I think he's going to, I guy. think he'll go. Or, or he probably will. He probably will. But, what's his, but what's somebody, his name again? I, I completely forget. Is it, I can't remember. Because I was thinking Fuaga? of Talona Hafonga for a second, but I'm like, nah, that, that's, I mean, obviously it's the Niners guy. We tackle out of Oregon. That's what Let's, you're thinking. Don't talk about Mofongo. I'm hungry. Um, <laughs> oh, Mofongo. <laughs> Gotta love Puerto Rico, man. Come on now. Oh, um, but one of those good, good tackles are going to be there. So, I like the idea of getting maybe a two-year deal. I'll go past two years. Mm. Somebody that can then – and then if you need to, right, you can bring that right tackle in a little earlier. Now you have somebody that can back up at tackle and guard um, if needed, you know, in an emergency uh, situation, Illuminor can do that. And then you go – like, how about stacking the new kid, uh, you know, in goal line situations? 
that's nice. You know, that's a little mm-hmm. fun thing to do. Um, jumbo pack. And then defensive tackle, I'm leaning more towards not the 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 Jenkins or the um, Ken Law or whatever. I think we need too much depth to get somebody that's going to cost us in that $20 million range. Sheldon Rankins, I think, is a great call. I really like him. I think if you get him, you might be able to get a tart um, from the Titans, um, a Jones from the Bills. Uh, uh, even I would Quentin Jefferson now for the Jets come and take a team-friendly deal to play for a contender. You know, uh, Grover Stewart from the Colts. Like, what, what can you do? Can you get two guys? Can I get two of them? in there to help beef this up and beef up that rotation because it needs some help. Mm -hmm. Um, Listen, I don't, I've seen in the, in some of the early mock drafts, which are just painful to watch. I've seen Chris Jenkins being available in the third round. I would take him in a heartbeat, but I have a sneaking suspension. Once uh, he goes to the combine, you're not going to see that because you know, Got got an NFL pedigree from his dad, and they call him the mutant at Michigan because he's the strongest guy on one of the baddest teams whose philosophy was smash all year, and he was the strongest guy on the team. So I think he's going to do some pretty pretty good stuff at, at the Combine. Um, so I don't know if he'll be available. But, uh, yeah, listen, if you can get somebody second or third round, but get, a, get in a situation with – Having a tackle, having a tight end, don't leave the covered bear. Go in there, and if the best available is a corner, take them. If the best Thank available you. is a receiver, yes. take them. Yep. If the best available is a defensive tackle, take them. Just stack the best players available. Yes. I, think I love we it. We need to get ourselves in that situation. Yes, sir. All right, guys. Here we are. End of another episode. Super Bowl hangover episode. We'll kick it to you, Justin. Any final thoughts? You know what? We just got done talking about fixing the trenches as a free agent. So there's obviously other other things that I want to def- uh, invest in free agency-wise on the defensive side of the ball, whether you can probably make trades. But I think another key area that I think the Bengals need to probably look to upgrade even more is linebacker. I truly believe that because – while everybody's talking about positional value and all that stuff, there's going to be a ton of good linebackers hitting free agency. And I think that you might want to entertain bringing one or two of those guys on your team. Yeah, obviously, we'll talk about that in future episodes and whatnot as we're going to go into this long offseason talk. But nonetheless, do not do not let positional value scare away from investing in players that you know can be dogs on this team. Look, I know we talked a great, a great bit of deal about Kansas City and they're winning the Super Bowl in the first first half of the show. But the reason for our, the respect for that, obviously, because they won a Super Bowl, is that the Kansas City Chiefs, them winning just validated and showed that the Bengals are still the only team that can knock them off or that can match them at eye level and they're not scared or not threatened by their trophies. Everybody else let Patrick Mahomes get in their head. The Bengals are the only team that doesn't do that because of the quarterback that we have probably gets in their head more so with that being said you have to lean into that that mojo this offseason and invest heavily personally if i am like if i'm a part of the front office i'm leaning to that strong like those matchups with kansas city that the Bengals have have become really iconic and legendary 
even when the game that Joe Burrow wasn't there, the fact that you were still close and could have won that with a bad defense at their house tells me all I need to know is that, dude, when we get our stuff together, health is obviously uh, not a guarantee, but we just know what this team is capable of and just, you know, shoot for the moon. Go win it all, man. We know we can do it. Yeah, I, I agree, man. If you're if you're trying to be special, you can't reward mediocrity with uh, contracts over again. I mean, that's the biggest takeaway I had from Bill Belichick and the and and that that Patriot dynasty. They cut ties maybe a year or two early on some guys um, when they shouldn't have. Richard Seymour sticks yeah. out, but they made some tough choices because they Larry Malloy sticks they, out another one. They kept. <laughs> They wanted to get younger. They wanted to get faster. They wanted to get stronger, and they kept doing it. And so we're going to have to make some tough choices if we want to keep doing that. Chase, final thoughts? 29 days till free agency, 72 days from the draft, 205 days from the start of the 2024 season where the Bengals might be playing the Chiefs. Keep counting us out. We're gonna we're gonna hear we're gonna hear a lot of it being the Bengals aren't back. They're they're done for all this stuff for the next 205 plus days. Keep it coming because when you see us out there in September, we're going to be ready. Oh, yeah. And, hey, don't forget, Underwear Olympics, February 26th. (laughs) All right. The NFL Combine, baby. (laughs) There you go. Uh, My final thought is going to be this. and uh, You know, I I know, Justin, you, you touched on it earlier. With the, the shootings, the mass shooting out in uh, Kansas City at the parade, useless, senseless. We got to be better, man. Just got to sure. be better humans. 100%. Uh, there ain't no no reason for that kind of violence and and, and it just it's silliness and and it's it's rough seeing when you know innocent people and kids uh, are getting shot for no reason. So do better, America. That's my final thoughts. But uh, that that concludes the first of many with the season finally being over. It's on to 2024. We appreciate you guys signing in. As always, like us, thumbs up. Tell a friend to tell a friend. And catch us again next week as we are running through the jungle. (laughs) 